Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? We're back with the Canadians Connection Podcast. This December 22nd, 2018 edition of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the festive edition of the Montreal Canadiens Podcast. It's episode 14, so that means, of course, this is the Tomasz Plakanich episode of this podcast, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that he's feeling nice and warm with that nice turtleneck at this uh, this this time of the year, I'm sure. And uh, without any further ado, I'll introduce my co-host, the Brian Gianta to my Scott Gomez, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Oh, now, don't put yourself down with the Scott Gomez reference. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, though, um, we were having a great conversation, and we had to interrupt it to start the show. Um, I, think, I, I think we should start start broadcasting the pre-shows because there's yeah. an interest, a lot of interesting stuff in there. But we yeah. got we got plenty for the show, too. Exactly. We have a lot to talk about. It feels like there's been a lot of uh, – there's there was four games this past week, and there's, it feels like each game you could really just dive into each of them individually, and there's something that you could talk about out of each of them. Perhaps not the Boston game. or Well, I mean, it depends what you want to talk about, but – the Boston game aside, it feels like the other three, there are, there are storylines, there's there are things that are, were happening. I mean, there's a lot of different directions that we can go this week. So what direction are we going in? Well, I feel like we should probably start with the uh, winners and losers. We have kind of a holiday oh. spread of, of the winners and losers this week. We have uh, uh, there, there's certainly a lot of candidates. Yeah, exactly, a, a, a smorgasbord. We have a, a lot of candidates this week. So let's dive right in with the winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. So I'll get us started this week, um, and I'm just going to start with a brief honorable mention. Uh, Claude Julian last week against the Ottawa Senators game got got a 600th career win as a as a National Hockey League head coach, and uh, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Um, it, it's certainly, it's somebody that I've, that, you know, I've disagreed with on a couple of occasions and in the way that things were handled, the way that players have, have been used and, and whatnot. And we'll get into that a little bit later on this show. Uh, but 600 wins, that doesn't happen by accident. This is, you know, this is a, a guy that, that's had a wonderful career. He's got a Stanley Cup ring. We don't like to talk about that on this show, but he has one. I'm not going to say what team. We're just going to leave it at that. Um, but yeah 600 career wins that's and in that game there's not many games where I feel like the coach has a huge impact his decisions before the game perhaps at times have an impact but in that game you could tell that there was some sort of an impact that he and his coaching staff along with Shea Weber Carey Price and that leadership group on the ice because of the call that went against them and you know perhaps if we have time we'll get into that as well but because of that, the Montreal Canadiens were, were kind of infuriated by that. And there, there would have been no, you know, I would have given them a pass. I, I would have completely understood if they, they lost their, uh, their focus and, and kind of, and, and it just kind of went the other way. But Montreal, they, they got right back on it and they went after it and they got a, the, obviously got the, uh, 
the game-winning goal, courtesy of their captain, and then another couple as well. So that for that reason, he is going to be an honorable mention this week. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that before I get into my winner? Um, no, I'm just uh, – I, I don't know what call you were referring to. What call could that be? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That one kind of slid under the radar, didn't it? <laughs> it yeah, that was tough. The, uh, we had people saying the worst call in 40 years. Uh, a lot of fans yeah. uh, very upset about the call. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can squeeze that in uh, towards yeah. uh, the latter part of the show. Absolutely. And uh, so getting to my winner of the week, uh, somebody that I was, I was kind of vocal at the time when he was sent down to the AHL that I didn't think that this was the right move for him. And uh, I still don't believe that, that, that it was. Uh, but you can't deny that since he's returned, he's looked very, very good. And that is Victor Meta. Victor Meta, in two games since he's returned, the Colorado game and the Arizona game, he looked, he looked incredible. This is exactly the kind of guy that I think could really, really benefit from playing along, alongside Shea Weber. I think this is, your, this is the guy to go forward with. If, if you have anything that's going on, you know, if you have any positive to take away from that back end, it's been that the guys that are playing on the right side have been fine. I'll get into the left side later. But the guys that have been on the right side have been fine. And when Noah Juleson was sent down after the Boston game, they called up Victor Meta. He played the right side, and it, it, it looked absolutely he – looked, he looked great. There's, there's really nothing else I can say about it. I mean, his, his decisions in the offensive zone looked good. He, he hit a post. He made some nice passes. He's, he's decision-making. I don't think it was ever really an issue with the puck. It was, as Claude Julian said, that, you know, he needed to close a little bit sooner on, on the opposition. And in that game against Arizona, he displayed, man, like there's nobody on this back end that has the speed that Victor Meta has and can use it in that way. I think that Mike Riley's close, but I don't know if Mike Riley ever uses that to, to get back and, and make the kind of play that Victor Meta made against uh, the Arizona Coyotes. You know, he, he and, and who's the other guy that was on the ice with him? It was David Schlemko. David Schlemko, he's a guy that gets talked about for having, you know, at least a little bit of foot speed, and, and he got completely dusted on that play. Victor Meta comes back and it breaks it up on a, on a wonderful back check, wonderful defensive play. And this is exactly what I think the Montreal Canadiens, if you're not going to go out and address it uh, via trade or, or what, whatever it may be, this is the guy that you go forward with with Shea Weber. And, you know, whatever else needs to happen, to make that the case, whoever, whatever needs to happen, I think this is the guy that you go with. He was the guy they went with last year for the first part of the season until Weber went down and, and then Meta was sent to the World Juniors and obviously Shea Weber didn't return. But I think this is the guy that you go with. Just in terms of the foot speed, I think that this is the guy that can actually bring something to this team and, and actually bring perhaps a little bit of a reliable presence on that left side where there really hasn't been any. Well, it's interesting because uh, I'm, I'll, I, I agree that uh, I, you know, Victor Meta going to Laval, there wasn't there. The the excuse was that he needed to uh, make decisions quicker, and he yeah. needed to um, uh, close the gap quicker uh, on on uh, attacking forwards. And of course, when he went down to Laval, none of that really existed, uh, as he said himself. The play is slow. The play is sloppy. Um, and so it's, it wasn't really the, the, the place for him to learn. 
Um, in addition, let's let's be completely frank. Um, it's not as if there's a former defenseman who's won a Stanley Cup on the coaching uh, staff in well, not anymore anyway, not this year. Um, no, on the coaching staff in Lavelle. So, um, I think what's helped Meta and what's helped him since he's come back is that he's played consistently he knows he's in the lineup uh and that that wasn't the case before he left he was in and out and um you know as as carl uh carl alsner said uh, a couple of times that uh uh, that performance and effort was not rewarded It, it was players were coming in and out of the um lineup irrespective of how they played and that was happening to meta as well the other thing is that with as you said, this lack of, of uh, competence on the left side, uh, before he went down, Victor Meta hadn't played on the left side in a month. Um, so it, it all seemed rather odd. And, and, you know, coming back, he played uh, about 12 minutes against Colorado, which I thought he played well, and I thought he didn't play enough against Colorado. That was bumped up to, to 16 minutes in the Arizona game. And I think that's much more uh, what I'd like to see from, from Meta and, and where he can be a solid contributor. And, and that play that he made, uh, as you said, uh, blew away Schlemko and, and then made that great defensive play. That's what he's capable of doing. Um, And yeah, is, is he the, is he the perfect guy along uh, side Shea Weber? No, he's not, but the Canadians don't have that guy. And yeah. would I rather see him there making mistakes than, than the other ones that they've tried, the Kulaks, the, the, the Schlemkos, the, the Bens? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Because he still has a ceiling. He still has an upside. He still has room to grow. Uh, those others, they are what they are. Uh, yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, until – there's a, a, a an appropriate um, replacement found. Uh, I I too'd like to see more uh, from Meta. Whether that's on the the second pairing, getting 16 minutes, whether it's whether it's uh, you bump that up a couple of minutes, uh, and uh, he's beside Shea Weber. Yeah, and part of that I think is also that the Canadians themselves, the management group, the the decision making. And along with the fans as well, need to take the good with the bad when it comes to young players, not necessarily the guys that have already kind of become what they are, but a guy like Victor Meta, you have to understand that there's going to be mistakes that are made there. It's just, it's part of learning the game that's going to happen, but you also have to acknowledge that those mistakes that he's making will be formative. You know, that will be very important into becoming what he will become because at some point, He's going to learn from those mistakes and he's going to know exactly where he should be and, and what he should be doing in, in each different scenario. So to me, I think that this is probably, I mean, you, you, I don't think you can really, you could look at that left side of the defense and I'm going to in a second, but I don't think you can go back to any of those options. You know, we've tried, we've went through, we've gone through this. I think Victor Meta is a guy that could absolutely do that. Um, so with that in mind, I guess we'll uh, switch gears and get to your winner of the week. My winner of the week. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I kind of hesitated because um, we've had Carey Price in our uh, winners of the week before. Um, so I thought, hmm, um, should, 
does he deserve to be there again? And, and, uh, you know, as I look back, well, (laughs) absolutely. Who else could it be? (laughs) Um, you know, for, for a number of reasons, a number of reasons, um, Certainly, uh, you know, on uh, we go even to to the the Monday game against Boston. Canadians lost four nothing. It should have been, you know, Boston could have scored a dozen. There was no other player uh, other than Carey Price who showed up for that game. Um, yeah. As as Gallagher said, it was uh, the worst game of his NHL career. Uh, he said that, you know, there wasn't a spot on the ice where they weren't getting beat. Um, and, um, and price that was, was, was outstanding in that game. And then I thought afterwards, again, um, he showed his leadership, uh, when he said that this was just a piss poor effort. Um, and, and a question was asked of him that, 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 in all honesty, the, 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 the reporter had no business asking him uh, how to fix the power play. Um, you're asking Carey Price how to fix the power play. But to my surprise, Price answered, and he was dead on. It, it was the most accurate um, repair <laughs> solution of, that I had heard. And he said, shoot the puck. Get the puck on yeah. the net. Get it get it to the net and then go after it and win the battles and jam it in. Um, and you look at the, the, the two power play goals that were scored and, and yeah, it was getting the puck to the net and, and getting some people to the net in front of it to create traffic, to, uh, to go after rebounds to, to, uh, for deflections, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, his, his, um, uh, leadership there and then um you know as the week continued uh and and as the canadians offenses dried up um they've scored now one five on five they they were one of the the teams who who could uh score five on five at will but uh their even strength offense has completely dried up one even strength goal in in three games um required carry price to be at his absolute best and he was um um you know it it Claude Julien um who you mentioned said um you know I I I thought Price stood on his head and he was talking about the Arizona game um and in the same way he did that the day before against Colorado and it's kind of rare to see um uh Price play two road games back to back but he did and he looked great in both and Julian's explanation was, well, listen, when you have a hot goalie, you have a tendency to ride him. And that's, that's what they've done. Um, and I think it was, you know, for, for all those reasons, um, Carey Price can be um, the, the winner of the week. I mean, there was some that would have the quibble with uh, his play against Colorado. Um, we know that, that Carey Price has better puck skills than, the majority of his defensemen, he's been outstanding in that regard. And when you have a, a weak defense to have an extra defenseman back there, he's been nothing but, but a help. Um, but sometimes because you're so good and because you can get places and because you can do things um, uh, that others can't, 
um, you're going to make a mistake. And, and it was just a judgment mistake or maybe a, a mistake in confidence. Um, yeah. You know, against Colorado, he, he had a split second to, to decide, who do I want to dump this off to? Is it going to be Weber or is it going to be Ben? Um, and, uh, you know, he chose Weber and I can't blame him for that. No, I can't. <laughs> I really can't. Um, and he said he thought he had more time than he did. And, and there was that turnover. But those are the kinds of things that when Price has been so outstanding uh, for a couple of weeks now um, that a team has to, to pick up the slack. And, and yeah. of course, uh, they didn't in that uh, particular game. Um, you're looking at that game, um, particularly high danger chances. Uh, Colorado had 12 and um, uh, Montreal had four for the entire game. And, the, and trying to come back in the third period, Montreal had zero high danger chances. Um, so, yeah. you know, certainly you can't uh, fault price. And speaking of that, um, when you when you look at high danger chances uh, across the, the the league and and what goaltenders had to face, last time I checked, um, Price was in the top five in high danger saves, uh, and three of the goalies who were above him, uh, uh, John Gibson, uh, Craig Anderson, Frederick Anderson, uh, they they have they just just simply played uh, more minutes. Um, you also look at something that, that I think uh, when we're talking about goaltenders is an important statistic, and that's uh, rebound attempts against. Price is in the top uh, four or five again in the fewest rebound attempts allowed. He just, he just deadens the puck. And, and, yeah. and with other than Shea Weber to clear the net, um, th- there's, there's not much in front of him to uh, win those battles. Uh, so Price does it all and, and, and deadens those attempts. Have I convinced you yet he should be a winner of the week? Because I got one I more think, reason. Yeah. Oh, I got you. one more reason. Man, it just keeps and that's coming. that his 300th win against Arizona. Yeah. Um, and, and that's pretty exclusive, uh, an exclusive club. There's only ever been in the NHL 35 players to, uh, to get to that. Uh, milestone uh, and of course we know that um, back in October he um, uh, passed Patrick Waugh uh, the most wins uh, for Canadians goaltenders and and now second just to Jacques Plante and he's he's uh, you know uh, knock on wood um, he should uh, uh, get to Jacques Plante uh, in his career but that's just an incredible milestone, incredible. And you think back to his his first win, um, and that was the 2007-2008 season. Came early in that season, early in October 2007, um, and it was it was a tandem. He was backing up at the time, Cristobal Huey, and and uh, Huey was the starter. And eventually that season, the 2007-8 season, Price took over um, as the starter. And, and it wasn't even a question. Um, he, was, he was obviously that much better. And, and some we've talked about it before. Some have hated him from that moment, uh, displacing yeah. uh, Cristobal Huey. But um, he's since then, since that point, since 2007, um, he's, he's accomplished this three, 300 wins with not much in front of him. Um, 
not very much at all. Um, no, yeah. And, you know, we think about the, the uh, 2014 Eastern Conference Finals against the Rangers, and we, we wonder what might have happened if uh, Chris Kreider hadn't uh, went feet first into him and, and, uh, and ended his season um, early. Um, you know, the, the, the Canadians seem poised to, to uh, go past the Rangers uh, and the Rangers who eventually met the, the Los Angeles Kings in the cup final and, and had price been, been um, uh, healthy enough, had that Kreider incident not happened, um, you know, would Carey have had a chance for uh, uh, a Stanley cup that year? Um, and gee, what if, what if Timmons had been allowed to, to draft Chris Kreider instead of <laughs> Louis LeBlanc? A- anyway, we're going way back. Um, I was having you know. I was having that discussion the other day. Actually, that was that was part of a, a discussion I was having with my dad about uh, Is about if if we went and drafted as Trevor Timmons reportedly would have wanted to draft Chris Kreider over Louis LeBlanc, then then six years down the line or whatever it was, five years, we wouldn't have been in that situation. But regardless, yes, we are going a little bit uh, <laughs> <laughs> far afield. But but no, yeah. it's 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 a good point because uh, because. Yeah. You know, uh, I, you hear um, people say, oh, it was low risk. Well, every decision matters. Every decision um, has an effect on, on the outcome, and, and you never know how it's going to play out. And, and certainly that decision was, was major. Um, yeah. Not only losing a first-round draft choice, who, you know, Louis LeBlanc at the time, many said had zero work ethic, and, and he, he proved that point pretty well. Um, it was the draft was in Montreal and, and, um, you know, I was there, the roof came off the place when, when LeBlanc's name was, was read, um, but for all the wrong reasons. Um, but I mean, price has never, it's easy to make the case with, with Ken Dryden, the, the two goalies that, that price is most often compared to Ken Dryden, and Patrick Waugh, it's easy to make the case of, of the teams that Dryden had in front of him. Um, but people forget that, that Patrick Waugh had a pretty good team in front of him. Oh, yeah. Not so much 93, but certainly 86. Um, yeah. When Robinson was still there and Chelios was on the back end and Ganey was still there, Matt's Naslin. Um, so um, anyway, I, th- I think uh, for for being everything he has been to the Canadians and and taking the the uh, load um, and and for taking more than his fair share of criticism um, mm-hmm. on on his way to 300 wins it's it's really been a remarkable ride for Carey Price and at the very least uh, for all those reasons I can make him my winner of the week. Yeah. And it's a, it's a well-deserved uh, nod for the winner of the week. And, and you made a lot of different points there. Like, and, and the Kreider, that was the one point that contributes to the fact that this is a guy that's gotten these 300 wins, as you mentioned, without a whole lot in front of him. And it didn't take, I mean, for many people, for all the people that were criticizing him, I mean, the Buffalo game comes to mind where uh, Ristolainen beat him in overtime with that slap shot. And he just, you know, he got the Bronx cheer in his, in his own building. For everyone that was criticizing him at that point, it didn't take a whole lot of time for the Montreal Canadiens to revert back to what they were for many, many years 
in front of Carey Price. And that is a team that struggles to score at all. They haven't, their five on five offense has dried up. As you mentioned, the power play, it's been well-documented this season. They've, they've had their struggles. Yes, they've scored in back-to-back games. Still a little bit of a concern. And Carey Price, you talk about he had a 973 save percentage in that game against the, the Arizona Coyotes. 36 saves. Just remarkable. And then you look at the saves that he made against the Colorado Avalanche the night before, going back-to-back games. And, and Claude Julian had no – there was really no other choice. Uh, with all due respect to Antoniemi, you have to go back to Carey Price in that situation. And if he can go – you, you let him go. I know that there's been, you know, you, you have some concerns with injuries and whatnot, but Carey Price, I mean, you take him every time, every single time, 10 times out of 10, if you're, uh, if you're Claude Julian, if you're any coach that's ever had Carey Price. And uh, yes, he is a well-deserved for the, uh, for the winner of the week this week with everything that he has accomplished in his, in his career as a Montreal Canadian, excuse me. <laughs> Um, and just so and just we'll, one yeah. more just one more uh, point to add to that. After the game, uh, he was asked ab- about his uh, his achievement, and he said, uh, "I'm very proud of of that." He said, uh, the, referring to the 300 wins. Um, but he quickly said, um, "But it's not over yet." Um, yeah. And he said, "You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to say it, but." Uh, so you know that that he still uh, has on his mind, and his focus is clear um, that a Stanley Cup is. I mean, he's not going to be satisfied with an individual 300 win, uh, or or even if he gets past the the plant mark, uh, yeah. he's not going to be satisfied with that. His eyes are keenly focused on on bringing a Stanley Cup to Montreal. Uh, so yeah. uh, if if he can get a little bit of help. Um, yeah. he's going to do his part to, and more than his part to get there. And, and this is a guy that we we saw a couple of years ago, have one of the most remarkable seasons individually that, that there's ever been for a goaltender and without, without much help at all. So, and, and you get the impression that he would trade all of that just to get that one trophy. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks obviously that's the ultimate goal, but you know, you talk about that, the statistics that he had in that season and, and all the hardware that he took home. And, and yes, all he wants really to finish off that resume. He's got an Olympic gold medal. All he wants to, to cap off his resume is, is a Stanley Cup ring. So, oops, I said it. And, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> and in December, uh, you t- mentioned statistics. In December, uh, I think Arpen Brassu was the one um, who tweeted this, that in December, or at least since uh, December 4th, Price is 6-2 and two with a 923 save percentage. His right. six wins uh, are tied for the most in the NHL in that month. Um, so I, I think that's kind of gone under the radar that any success that the Canadians have had in this month, uh, you can thank Carey Price for that. Yeah, so it's a big change from the past four to five years. I think you can even go beyond that. <laughs> it's basically been that way for, uh, for many, many years. So, yeah, exactly, and and it seems as though he's rounding into form, and that can only mean good things for the Montreal Canadiens for the new year. Knock on wood. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, we'll shift gears, go to the losers of the week now, and just briefly talk about. Uh, so uh, I'll get us started, and I mentioned this when I was talking about my winner of the week. My loser or losers of the week is just that entire left side of the Montreal Canadiens defense because 
boy, it, it was not a good week. <laughs> it was not a good week for the Montreal Canadiens left side of the defense. And it's been that way for many, many weeks. And I feel at this point, singling out one of them, it, it just, it's, it's letting a bigger problem slide under the radar. And the big problem is that none of them have really given the Montreal Canadiens any sort of stability. And that's a concern. That is a, a rather large concern. And we'll see that when we get to uh, the answers of this week's question of the week a little bit later on this show, that this is becoming a big, big issue. And the Montreal Canadiens this past offseason in the draft and, and just through the, the trade that they made for, for Max Domi, they kind of address the issue that's been ever-present in Montreal for the past 20 years, and that's the fact that they really haven't had a number one centerman. You know, maybe you go back 10 years, Zach Koivu, if you want to go there. I would certainly think that he was probably the last one that they had, but really this has been a big problem in Montreal. But now that they've kind of addressed it a little bit, and the Asperi Kuxiemi's looked as good as he has, it kind of shifts the focus to that left side of the defense because the right side, you know, it's looking good. You have one of the best defensemen in the league right now. Jeff Petrie in a top four role is exactly what he's suited for. And there's been, there's sure there's been ups and downs this season, but generally he's looked very good. He's generated some offense. He's done exactly what you want. Noah Juleson, who's down in Laval right now, also looked very good before being sent down. Also just a really steady force back there. You would hope at some point that the Montreal Canadiens will address that left side of the D, which includes Mike Riley, uh, David Schlemko, Jordy Ben, and Brett Kulak, because those guys, They've all had their problems. They've all had their struggles. And it's starting to become a bit of an issue for the Montreal Canadiens because really, I mean, you're not getting really good play out of any of them. And that's not, that's not exactly a good thing. And that's why I mentioned off the top that I think that Victor Metza should be a guy that's playing in a more prominent role than, you know, third pairing right side defenseman. He should probably be playing on his natural side and he should probably be playing with one of, uh, Shea Weber or Jeff Petrie and and preferably I would say Shea Weber because that that would be a bit of a better matchup or a bit of a better combination I would think but yeah these four guys I mean Schlemko's decision making in his own zone his defensive zone coverage gets caught watching the puck a lot not really there to clear the front of the net like you would like Mike Riley's decision making has been a little bit lacking at times his play in the defensive zone looks borderline uninterested Jordy Ben, he's Jordy Ben. He's serviceable, but in a limited role. And last, and in the game against Colorado, you mentioned in your recap, he's not in a limited role if he's playing against one of the best lines in the NHL, along with Shea Weber. That is not exactly putting him in a position to succeed. And Brett Kulak, same thing goes for Brett Kulak. I think that in a limited role he could be effective, but you've seen him in a very prominent role, and there's not been very many positive results. So to me, this is becoming a bit of an issue for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if this is something that they address this year, but they certainly have to address it at some point. And I, I guess I, I agree with uh, what you just said. I mean, Jordy Ben, Mike Riley, uh, Brett Kulak, David Schlemko, Carl Alsner, even Xavier Willette. Um, uh, if you change the names on the back of, their jerseys would you really know the difference this season 
Um, would you? Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're third pairing defensemen at best, kind of fringe, the kind of guy that yeah. you want to be able to rotate in and out. Um, and yet, Mark Bergevin decided that this was his solution for the left side. And, and you know, uh, what's, what's curious to me is that people are, are like, like this is a, a, a problem that was, was uh, foist upon uh, the organization. No, it wasn't. This is a hole. This is a giant pit that Mark Bergevin dug for himself. Um, he's traded away a boatload of left-handed defensemen. Um, some of which uh, could have been serviceable, I guess. You look at uh, a Joe Morrow who comes in and out of the lineup in, in Winnipeg and is able to play second-pairing defenseman. You look at Greg Patteron, uh, who, who plays uh, second-pairing um, uh, for Minnesota. Um, you know, Barbario we, uh, is, is injured, but he, uh, there he is playing third uh, pair in, in Colorado. Um, but, but the ones that I think of, who could be a, a legitimate right today, first pairing defenseman with Shea Weber. Um, those ones are, are, the, are the ones that are bother me most. And that's, that's um, Mark, uh, uh, Markov, Andre Markov, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, or Samuel Girard. Now, how does Samuel Girard fit into this? The, the Canadians, Trevor Timmons would have chosen him uh, with the picks uh, that, that Mark Bergevin sent for Andrew Shaw. So um, any of those three uh, could have been a left, uh, a, a top pairing left-handed defenseman. Um, so uh, this is a problem that Mark Bergevin created. Um, uh, you know, argue about Andrew Shaw all you want. Um, but do you think it would have, if we were talking right now is, oh my goodness, the Canadians, their biggest problem is they don't have an Andrew Shaw in their lineup. <laughs> um, you, you know, uh, instead of a Samuel Girard, um, yeah. uh, or or have Markov there, uh, it's 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 I don't know. It's <laughs> uh, this is an issue that he created, and he's done nothing to solve. Certainly not last summer, and and with this mix of of uh, you know, it's like uh, going out and getting Hemsky and thinking he's going to be a, a a solution for the the top line, and of course he was far from that. This is kind yeah. of the same case where uh, it's this volume of defensemen, this this volume of, of bottom pairing defensemen, the Bens, the Rileys, the Kuleks, the Schlemkos are are Alsner uh, Willets are supposed to somehow uh, morph into a, a, a first pairing left handed defenseman, and it's it's it hasn't worked at all. Yeah, it seems as though they certainly picked quantity over quality uh, in terms of uh, left side defensemen. Uh, so moving on to your loser of the week. My loser of the week is uh, Max Domi. And um, Domi's been, been struggling. And um, I mean, he, he, I think he was a bit of a revelation in that, that he's uh, embraced Montreal. He's been a, a, a media darling. He's been a fan darling. He's been uh, very popular and, and, you know, all because he's just a genuinely charismatic kind of guy. And, and all that's great because that, that's kind of totally opposite of, of what Alex Galchenyuk was. Uh, this, this charismatic, positive, happy to be in Montreal kind of guy. Uh, and early season, he had the offense to show for it. 
Um, but all of that has, has kind of uh, come to an end. And right now he's on a, a six-game goalless streak. Um, and that was just after he came off of uh, a five-game goalless streak around the end of November. So it hasn't been since really the since early November since he was scoring regularly. Um, his his partner uh, in crime, uh, Jonathan Druan, um, has only scored against Ottawa in de- in December. Um, he likes yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> likes scoring against Ottawa. Hasn't <laughs> scored against anybody else. Um, yeah. So there's a big chunk of the five on five offense that has just absolutely evaporated. And I guess the other part that's kind of bothersome is that um, we know, and we've been complaining about Jonathan Duran being um, disinterested uh, all season when he doesn't have the puck. And some of that lack of work ethic seems to be uh, rubbing off on, on Domi because he's been terrible. Um, in his own zone. Um, he's been terrible in the defensive game. He's, he's looked um, the same kind of uh, lazy, disinterested play. And we saw that, that Claude Julien lit into both of them uh, the other night uh, when they came off the ice after a goal was scored. And it was entirely, entirely uh, because of, uh, of them. And, and I guess what I was hoping he was he was going to stay out of my loser column um, with with a uh, uh, his return to to Arizona. I was really expecting to see something. Um, I, I know a lot of the the media was focused on Galchenyuk and what he was doing, but I was kind of focused on Domi and and what was he going to do in his return? And I mean, they gave him a rather lackluster kind of welcome back. Um, <laughs> and, and what was funny because it was, uh, they ran some promos and then in, it was in the first period and let's welcome back Max Domi and Max Domi didn't even, he didn't stand. He didn't wave. He didn't acknowledge it. And then I think later in the third period, they ran a bit of a Domi highlight package. Uh, but it was kind of, uh, I don't know. Arizona didn't really, seemed to to miss him all that much or, or recognize him. There wasn't much applause in the, yeah. in the crowd. And Do- and Domi didn't, I don't think he embraced the opportunity to say, okay, this is Domi 2.0. Um, this is what I'm doing in Montreal. Because he had kind of a uh, iffy kind of game. He, he was kind of a ghost for, for most of it. Um, so I, I was... Uh, I was disappointed there as well. I I don't want to say that he was maybe spoiled by his early season success and, and now he's not working as hard for it, but um, he's going to have to start uh, getting back to uh, the way he played early in the season and be engaged at both ends of the ice. Yeah. And that's the part of it to me. I mean, look, I think that Max Domi has been, he's, he's been good. He's, he's had his moments. But for the most part, he's been good. And this past little stretch, I think the problem that we're beginning to see is that if Max Domi isn't the one that's engaged, if Max Domi isn't the one that's being a spark plug offensively, then it's not going to come from Jonathan Drouin. And I, and I said this at the time when they were both going strong, is that if, if that offense dries up from Domi, I'm not sure that Drouin is going to be able to pick up the slack and get him going 
the way that Domi got Drouin going in the early part of the season. So that's going to be the part of this that's really interesting to me, is that when they get back, and if they get back to where they were, what is it going to be? Is it going to be because Max Domi is back to being, you know, a little bit more of a, of a, of a presence on the defensive side and a bit more of a spark plug offensively, or is it going to be, you know, is it going to be Jonathan Drouin that picks up a little bit of that slack? So to me, that's going to be really interesting to see as, uh, as this progresses and as we enter the new year for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so is there anything else you want to get to? Or should we take a quick break? I think it's time for a break. Yeah. <laughs> so when we come back, we're going to talk about Yasper Kiami. We're going to get into some of the role, like the, the responsibilities that he's had, his game last week against the Ottawa Senators. So stick around. We'll be back after this. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We were talking about our winners and losers last segment, and one of the guys that kind of uh, was in the conversation this week, at least for me, um, was Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And this week, I mean, you go back to last week in the game against the Ottawa Senators, and his third period in that game, he and Arturi Lekkinen really led that charge offensively. And, you know, we already kind of discussed Arturi Lekkinen in, in that game, but those two guys were 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 just really, really good. They were the guys that really set the tone in that third period. Yes, very Kakanyami with that with that tying goal that uh, that <laughs> bounced off the back of McKenna and in the net. And then you know that beautiful, beautiful pass that he set over to Paul Byron and uh, really put the game out of reach and uh, added a nice little insurance marker. Uh, so is is it time to start having the conversation about Yes, very being 
put into a little bit more of a prominent role? And and this kind of came up. Um, there was a conversation about uh, coming out of the the Colorado game, and uh, one of our our staff writers, Sam Gerber, who does all of the he does a great job on the on the game day uh, articles and and preps uh, helps prep fans for uh, um, each contest and and kind of outlines what to expect uh, from each game. And he said, um, uh, it, late in that game, uh, the Canadians down two to one, uh, and they were, um, obviously needing a goal and he was sent, uh, Kanyemi was sent to the penalty box to serve a too many men on the ice penalty. And, and that's, that's happened, uh, regularly this season. Uh, Kakanyemi doesn't, uh, kill penalties. Um, so you know, I understand Julian's thinking uh, for the most part, except in that situation. I don't know what happened if if Julian just was oblivious to the situation he was in, or or uh, what I worry about is that that um, that he doesn't see Kakinami as a solution, and he, and here's why I say that. Um, it doesn't matter that the the Canadians were on a uh, going uh, to a shorthanded situation. They still needed a goal. They still needed yeah. somebody to score. Um, and out there, he had uh, on the ice. He uh, had Philip Deneau, uh, who has two goals this season, uh, and Philip Deneau hands right. Uh, he he doesn't have the skill. He doesn't have the hands to be to be a finisher. Um, yeah. Um. And and Kakanyemi in Julian's mind just isn't isn't part of the solution. Isn't dis, you know in, in, despite how um, he's able his vision and is able is able to make plays that nobody else sees. The, your example of of uh, the past to buy, and we've seen that uh, many times this season. Um, and so the question is, you know, and and it was brought up in that context. Um, is he is he progressing? Is he developing? Um, is is he being allowed to develop? And if not, um, then why not send him to the World Junior Championships? Um, yeah. And you you mentioned already that that the Canadians have an impressive list of prospects uh, that we'll see at the World Junior Championships. Yeah. Um, we won't see Kotkaniemi there, but for the U.S., we'll see Primo and we'll see uh, Ryan Paling, who, um, out of the group, is the only one coming back. He was he was of course uh, part of the, the the USA team last year in Buffalo. Uh, for the Can- Canadian squad, we have Josh Brook, we have Nick Suzuki. Uh, for Russia, we have Alexander Romanov. Uh, for Sweden. Uh, Jacob Olofsson, and for Finland, who I'll let you say this one because I know you love saying ah. Uh. Jesse Yelonen. There you there go. Goes. You got it. <laughs> got it. There we go. So there's an impressive group, but it won't be <laughs> Kakinemi. And, and um, you know, some of the silly, I, I understand that, 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 that there's people out there that, that don't watch the juniors very closely or they haven't been to one. And, and um, each year we go, not only, you know, we, we, we go uh, to the uh, uh, development showcase, 
um, which has been held in Lake Placid or, or um, more recently Plymouth, Michigan, um, to see these squads and to see the, the quality of the play. And, you know, uh, people say, well, if, uh, Kanyemi's playing with adults and, and he can't go back to junior hockey. Well, this is, this is the best junior hockey in the world. It's excellent. Yeah. It's world-class competition. And he would have the opportunity to play with and play against the very best junior age talent in the world. The hockey is terrific. It's a terrific tournament. And I can tell you from being in Buffalo that, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's recognized as some of the best hockey of this time of the year. Um, You know, uh, and the, the parroted talking points come out uh, and they say, well, what if he gets injured? Well, I think there's a bigger chance uh, being a a young rookie kind of naive at times, uh, in the NHL, who's been targeted regularly, uh, there's probably more of a chance to be. No, there's not probably. There is a bigger chance to be yeah. injured in the NHL than there would be um, at a at a kind of wide open, free flowing junior uh, hockey championship. Um, and I guess, you know, when you look at the usage uh, of Kotkaniemi, he's still around 12 minutes per game. Um, and, and when you look at all the others, um, uh, of, of, of his draft class of, of the rookies, um, in the lineup, uh, in, in the various lineups around the league, he is by far at the bottom of that list when it comes to, uh, ice time. Uh, and yeah. it's not even close. It's not even close. And what I would have liked to have seen, I, I know the, the, the Canadians, the Canadians draft well, they develop well. Transition to the NHL has been terrible, terribly mismanaged by uh, uh, Michelle Therrien, terribly mismanaged by Claude Julien. Um, and, and maybe Mark Bergevin has some influence in that as well. Um, but what I'd like to see is, um, you know, the message delivered to Kotkaniemi saying, you are a key contributor to our lineup. Um, yeah. and, and I want him to, rather than sending him to the penalty box with, with a couple minutes to go and the Canadians being down, I want him to say, okay, you're on the ice. You're the one I want to help create offense out there. Yeah. And this progressive responsibility, uh, this, 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 as I mean, we're, we're at the end of December already. Um, yeah. Kotkaniemi certainly proved that he is an NHL caliber player. Well, then give him some more responsibility. Um, we've seen Deneau do absolutely nothing. Two goals between Tatar and Gallagher. Uh, while those guys are between Tatar and, and, and Gallagher, they have 27 goals. Deneau has two. And yet yeah. um, um, Julian has been reluctant to make any kind of move uh, to move Kotkaniemi in that spot. The only move he made last game was moving Byron into Tatar's spot. Um, yeah. So uh, I want to see um, Kotkaniemi uh, receive a key contributor, give, uh, give an increased responsibility. And if not, uh, you know, as, as Sam pointed out, well, maybe he could get that confidence. Or maybe he could open a few eyes in Montreal if he was sent to the World Junior Championship uh, and and showed the you know what he could do playing in a 
playing a lot of minutes in a role that that a, you know a great deal of the responsibility was was on him rather than hey we don't we're behind but we don't need you uh i'm going to keep charles Houdon on the bench here and not send him over to the penalty box i'm going to send you yes barry kakanyami um I think that's the that's the key message, and um, I think that's the kind of point that that Sam was was trying to make uh, on Twitter, and of course on Twitter, um, there's there's not many characters to do that, uh, oh, but yeah. but that's why I was supporting his his uh, his message because uh, either give him increased responsibility in Montreal or let him go to the to the World Juniors. Yeah, and I've and I've gone back and forth on this. I've at the beginning, I was, you know, I was very much in favor of him going to the World Juniors. I thought that this was the best thing for him in his development. After the game against the Ottawa Senators last week, I was, I was, you know, I was thinking, well, you look, you can put up that in, in the third period, come up with that type of a performance, then perhaps we'll start to see a little bit more of, of responsibility put on you, Sperry Kotkaniemi. But it, it goes, they just, they keep... And, and look, I understand it. He's an 18-year-old. He, he's, he's, he was born in the year 2000. <laughs> this is not something that, you know, that you don't want to put him into a position where, you know, he, he feels like he needs to do too much or, or he's, you know, feeling like it, it all falls onto him. But at the same time, you don't need to protect him as much as you have. And, you know, the, I, I think of when Carey Price was brought up. Carey Price was brought up a little bit early for a goaltender the age of 20 but you know this was a guy that you didn't protect him and I think he's turned out quite all right so I don't really understand why there's a bit of a reluctance here with Jesperi Kakanyemi as there was really with with Alex Galchenyuk and I don't think you want to walk down that road again I think that you it's about the time that you realize that what you have is is a very special young hockey player and actually take the time to develop him and actually play him in a role that he can he can learn and grow. And if not, then there's something that he can learn in the World Juniors that he wouldn't be able to learn in, as a rookie in Montreal. And being sent to the World Juniors would provide him the opportunity to put into practice some of the things that he's learned early this season when he was working with the in, in face-off circles with, with Tomasz Plekanich from his fellow countrymen, Arturi Lekin and Yol Armia. He could go there and be a leader and play with a, in, in, a, in a role where there's a lot of responsibility that's put on him. And as a rookie, you don't really, usually you don't really get that responsibility. And he hasn't this season. Not that you would expect him to be a leader, but perhaps you would expect that there'd be a little bit more responsibility that was, that would be given to him, but we haven't seen that either. So I think that there is a benefit to him going to the world juniors. Obviously this is, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the, the point where the tournament begins this is probably, this is not going to happen, but I think there would be a benefit from it because I mean, you're not going to revisit this a year from now because a year from now, the hope would be that Yusperi Kotkaniemi is in fact being given more responsibility and he has progressed and he has developed, but that's not going to come without actually being given an opportunity to play and actually be, you know, kind of more than 12 minutes for sure. And, and, and that to me, I think is, is why, this would have been a beneficial experience for Jesperi Kotkaniemi and, and beneficial for the Montreal Canadiens in the long term. So, yeah, to me, I think that that would have been uh, really interesting to see. And I'll, I'll also play with, with uh, Jesse Yelonen. Got it again. Two for two. 
Nicely done. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, the simple question is, d- does, uh, does Brady Kachuk um, uh, know that the Ottawa uh, Senators um, have confidence in him? Of course. Of course. That you see the role he's playing. You see the minutes that he's playing. Um, and, and go down the list, you know, whether it's Carolina or Vancouver with, and, and what they're doing with their rookies. Those guys know I have the coach's confidence. Can Kokiniemi yeah. say that? I don't think so. Um, yeah. And and that's what we want to. That's what we want to see. That's what we want. It's it's, you know, I understand uh, sheltering uh, players to a certain extent, uh, but it's not it's not the end of October. It's the end of December. And when when you shelter them too much, you're you're sending a, a clear message: is I don't have confidence in you. And yeah. um, so I'd like to see that get back. And there's a couple of ways of doing it. I don't think that going to the World Juniors is the only way of doing it. Um, it would be one way of doing it. There's an easy yeah. case, a very easy case to to be made on on how that would be beneficial to his development. Um, uh, but I, you know, uh, keep him in Montreal and give him, give him a, uh, uh, an increased level of responsibility. That'll do exactly the same thing. Uh, but if the Canadians don't do either of those things, they are mismanaging their prospect. Yeah. Anything else you want to get to on that or shall we move on? Let's go. All right. Well, we wanted, we were talking about the World Juniors, and the World Juniors means one thing. It's getting around that time for Christmas and the holiday season. So we asked you in our question of the week, if there was one thing that you could give the Montreal Canadiens for Christmas, what would it be? So when we come back, we're going to get to your answers of the question of the week, and we're going to discuss. So stick around. We'll be back after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, 
Log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. here on the Canadians Connection podcast and we mentioned as we were going into the break that we were going to come back and, and read some of your responses to the question of the week again the question of the week is if you could what would you give the Montreal Canadiens for Christmas and uh, we got a lot of interesting answers to this one there's a theme that I think is is probably a, for most Montreal Canadiens fans you'd probably be able to guess it pretty quickly but uh, there are some very interesting answers on the left so uh, Matt Smith who uh with the uh, with all Habs and, and he's on the Habs Unfiltered podcast. I listened to their take this past week as just a little bit of a preamble. I listened to the, to, uh, the Habs Unfiltered podcast earlier this week. They were talking about TJ Luxmore and Archery Lekkonen and uh, Matt Smith uh, is part of that. He gave his, his two cents on it and uh, his opinion in this is uh, a full-time defense partner for Shea Weber, which I think we can all agree on is, uh, is a nice a nice gift and uh, that that's a couple of uh, couple of them at least there's someone that says some d-men or maybe a trade that would take schlemko alzner and ben all at once we have uh, that was from uh p uh, no name there just p <laughs> uh we have <laughs> we have eric who says less pressure from fans and the media for a week that's a, a little bit of a, a shorter uh time frame not really a long-term gift but i'm sure that that would be appreciated <laughs> and uh we have mark murphy at Master Pigeon, Master underscore Pigeon. That's a really great handle. Anyways, he says, a first-round upset against the Leafs would be the best gift ever. Could you imagine, Leaf fans, if this happened? Uh, I could not, personally. Uh, but I would. that would be certainly something. That would be, I'm sure if you gave that and, and, and told Mark Bergeron that that was going to happen, you wrapped it up nicely in a gift and gave him a letter that said that you will beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs this year, he would take that, I'm sure. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we have Nick Santella says new management, which would then rule out that entire scenario that I just said, but regardless. <laughs> um, and we have Shaky Stew, who says equal tax laws as the rest of the NHL. So there's one that <laughs> would kind of give Montreal that, that, the same kind of, uh, same kind of uh, advantage. That one's easy. Just vote smarter uh, <laughs> for people who won't raise your taxes. Um. On Facebook, uh, the Facebook fan, uh, All Habs uh, Facebook fan page, it's easy to find. Just go to Facebook yeah. and look for All Habs, all one word. Um, and um, we have Sheldon Bourgeois who says he wants or he would want to give uh, a new GM to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Garth Ashton kind of follows along. Uh, he wants to give the Montreal Canadiens a GM who can a- assess talent properly. Mm. Um, Pam Wedge Bamford Burke. That's quite a handle. Um, yeah. uh, she's in the spirit of giving. I would give each Montreal Canadian a great big hug. Merry Christmas. Well, that's nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Logan TJ Rufus says uh, he wants to give the Canadians a trip to the final. All right. Uh, sure. Carrie Mark Price Davis. Yeah. Mark Davis says he wants a left-handed D for Weber to play with. Uh, Stevie Jonas says uh, a 
safe Christmas time for the Canadians to be with their families and friends away from the dreaded media. Uh. Um, <laughs> all right. Mac Brown says the ability to score a power play goal. And, and we, we saw two power play goals this, this past week, but I guess he's looking uh, for consistency where that but, yeah. goes. The long term. Um, John Hutchinson says uh, he wants uh, the Canadians to get to play Ottawa for the remainder of the season. I, I think uh, that could be, yeah, that would be nice. They have uh, had, game. yeah, they've had uh, some success there. Emily Keith Sinclair says she wants to give a new GM and a new owner um, to the Canadians. Yeah, a little shot at Jeff Molson okay. there. Uh, and and the last one, um, and I think this is probably the the thing that would help most, and that's to to know from Noah Gardner, and he said uh, he wants two carry prices. Uh, he uh, thinks that would be the best. Have you ever seen Carey Price shoot a puck? Like, oh. I think that that he could probably be a left side defenseman for himself if he wanted to, if we could clone him. Yeah, I, 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 uh, at uh, practice, uh, he doesn't do it much anymore. But at the end of practice, he would he would um, take off his equipment. He'd he'd head into the locker room at Broussard. He'd take off his equipment, and he'd come back in, um, just regular training outfit and a and a forward stick, and he'd fire pucks at the end of practice. Got a heck of a shot, like <laughs> he does. Uh, yeah. Accurate too, because he would he would stand, um, you know, by the goal line and just fire them. He he liked to fire them in the air, all the way uh, into the net at the other end. Um, yeah. That was his <laughs> that was his thing. So yeah, we could have uh, you know one Carey Price playing forward and uh, one right back where he where he belongs in goal. Yeah, the way that he handles the puck, I, I, I certainly believe that he'd be a lot more reliable than uh, some of the other options that the Montreal Canadiens have uh, have used this season, and perhaps a little bit of a goal scoring touch from, uh, mm-hmm. from Carey Price. So uh, if we if we have the technology at this point, I feel like this is something that the Montreal Canadiens should explore. Uh, this is something that perhaps uh, <laughs> perhaps they can actually uh, uh, perhaps they can actually uh, figure this out and, and do that. That would be uh, that'd be something. Um, so. Is there uh, anything you'd like to get to? Because we kind of mentioned off the top that we could get into TJ Luxmore and, and Archery Lekkonen and, and that. Would you like to kind of just give your two cents on it before we head off? Well, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the NHL has, uh, it, as many, as many um, people said, that was, that was the worst call we have seen in a very, mm-hmm. very, very long time. And, and I couldn't help thinking that, uh, the Canadians came back to uh, win that game, um, but what if that goal had played more of a pivotal role? Uh, what if yeah. it if it meant um, getting into the playoff, uh, a win, getting into the playoffs or not? Uh, what if it happened in the playoffs? Um, I think you know. I think the NFL does a, a much better job in in rating and disciplining their their officials. Um, and still there's some bad, bad calls in the NFL, but, yeah. but this was so egregious. This was so egregious. Um, you know, the NHL came out and said, we've, we've removed the embellishment from, uh, Lekkonen's record. And, and the reason that's important because if, 
there's there's consequences if he gets another one. Um, uh, but so they they acknowledged it was a bad call. But but we want to we want to hear more that that there was some disciplinary action uh, taken because that was a horrific call, just awful. Um, and the, the the part I think that uh, that bothered me is the four officials uh, got together at center ice and discussed it and still supported that, that silly embellishment call. So is there some sort of hierarchy in, in that group um, that linesmen are afraid to challenge uh, which they shouldn't be if they see a, a, a bad, bad call. So I, I think coming out of that horrible call, wrong call, uh, but the NHL, you know, they're, 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 they're quick to, you know, they're all on this kick to, to reduce the, the size of goaltender equipment and, and uh, they're, they're quick on other things, but I think they need to take more care that, that the bad calls by their officials um, don't start impacting the game more than they do already. Yeah. And that, and, and to your point, that could have, that could have had a major impact and were it not for, you know, obviously the play of Shea Weber, the uh, the bench kind of realizing they had to get back to work and and look at there were some there was a save by Carey Price on Cody Cece and and at least a couple more that look at if you allow a goal at that juncture at that point in time that can very much go the other way so there was a lot of different things that that kept the Montreal Canadiens afloat in that game and and yeah to your point it's uh it's it's good that the Montreal came that they came out on on the proper end of that and and that didn't play a factor in, in that game, because that, that wouldn't have been a, a very pretty sight in the, uh, in the bell center in the surrounding area. Um, so I guess we'll uh, wrap this thing up like a nice little Christmas gift, get a nice little bow on it, wrap that thing up. And uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll be right back with you next week. Not, uh, not a whole lot that's going to be happening uh, over the next week with the, uh, with the Christmas break and the players getting to uh, spend some time with their families and whatnot, but we will have two games to discuss. One of which is actually going to be, happening a little uh, in a little while, actually, just as we go off the air, about an hour afterwards, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are going to be hitting the ice, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. So that'll be an interesting game. Unfortunately, no Max Pacioretty for Vegas, but nonetheless, that'll be a, a very interesting, uh, a very interesting game nonetheless. So uh, we'd like to thank you for tuning in and we'll be right back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's 2.30 Newfoundland time. And uh, before we head off, I'll just say that you can follow me on Twitter at JoeWayland19. You have the wonderful Rick Stevens manning the at all Habs account. This podcast has its own Twitter account. You can follow at Habs Connection. And uh, on top of that, you can uh, subscribe to Rocket Sports Radio on all of your favorite pod- podcast platforms, easy for me to say, including iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So you get this podcast along with the wonderful From the Press Box podcast, and we also on allhabs.net have two other wonderful podcasts, the Habs Unfiltered podcast and the Have a Listen podcast. So give all those a listen. It's uh, over Christmas now. So you're not going to have as much Habs, uh, Habs games, but you still have all this wonderful Habs content on allhabs.net. So we will be right back with you, as I said, next week, 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time. We will talk to you then. Merry Christmas. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net. <laughs>